Welcome back. This is the last on the line of college basketball podcast episode before the draft. We will do a special draft recap episode, instant reaction. We have a little surprise on tabs for the listeners, but let's get into it. Tonight, we're going to be discussing five guys we really just don't see it for. Um, You know, the public consensus is probably a little bit higher than what we have and what we feel they are as a player. And then we're also going to look at five players that we're pretty high on and we think, you know, they're really going to be something special and we're much higher on than in the general public. All of that up next on the line. Thomas, shake, crossover, step back. At the buzzer, Young, safe, and Washington wins it. Nobody's home. Picked off by Miller. Goes ahead. Lane's on the other wing. He finds oh! oh! you doing today we're on draft we're on nba draft eve it's it's an exciting time how are you it's extremely exciting uh this is one of the most exciting times uh in the basketball calendar i think uh every team has hope going into the draft that's what you love about drafts in the nfl and the nba uh you love about them these guys can have instant impacts unlike baseball where you gotta wait for these guys to come in forever but you know you can draft somebody that could be the savior of your franchise and uh it's exciting 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 time especially for these teams with the top three picks i feel like they think they can all make a huge splash and get potential franchise players so incredibly exciting absolutely i i do think that sometimes fans expectation of the first round draft picks in the nba is a little bit too much like i I heard some people talk about um, Dyson Daniels for the Pelicans. And a lot of people said they don't like Dyson Daniels because they don't see it. He's not a very exciting player to watch. And like, you know, he doesn't really score the ball, but that's, that's kind of why you and I like him. Um, And and there's, there's a lot of players like that where you watch him on film and you say, he doesn't really jump out at me. Um, Almost honestly, Chet Holmgren at times. A lot of people probably feel that way about Chet where they say, Oh, Chet, you know, he did, what, what does he really do specially kind of, I don't want to say floats, but he doesn't really impact the game in that in the manner that you would normally see from a number two, number one overall pick. Yeah, uh, but I think that's, that's one of the reasons why scouts really like him is he's already proved he doesn't have to be, but he can play with other great players. I think mean, that's what he's already proved, and he doesn't have to be the focal point of the offense to be successful. 
And, uh, you know, there's only what? There's only 12 to 15 true number ones in the NBA where they're, they're the dominant force on their team and everyone else has to collaborate heavily with their teammates and, um, you know, B2s or B3s on their team and kind of set other guys up, do all the dirty work. And that's what's really exciting about a guy like Chet. I definitely agree with that. But let's get into our first guy that we don't see it for, and that is Josh Minot of Memphis. Ben, do you want to explain to the folks at home why we don't really see it with Josh Minot? Okay. Uh, uh, first, with Josh Minot, he's he's a great athlete. He's six foot eight. He's got six uh, foot eleven wingspan. Incredible verticality. Uh, really good speed in the open floor. Can dunk it with the best of them. Uh, very uh, his highlight reels full of dunks and some, you know, big blocks. He's got a good motor. You know, he's running up and down the floor all the time. But once you get past that, man, he gets to some fundamental basketball skills. I, I just really don't see it from him. He, he's not very confident, I would say, unless he's in the open floor dunking a basketball. He he's not comfortable with the ball in his hands. When he does have the ball in his hands, he he doesn't make good decisions. I think. Uh, the jump shot is is really really bad. He went two. He only attempted fifteen uh, catch and shoots this year. Went two of fifteen. Went two of fourteen from three. Uh, the stroke is very very stiff. Uh, I just think it's going to take a lot of work. I think it's going to take multiple years to get his jump shot anywhere close to uh, being ready to being put on the NBA floor. But uh, man, he's just got a long 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 way to go. And I see his name a little bit at the end of the first start of the second round. I just don't see that's worth the risk. I see this guy as more of an end of the second round, just shot, and you, you put him in the G League and you just let him uh, blossom with his uh, athleticism and verticality and see what you can get. But just outside of the athleticism, the dunking and the jumping, and he's got a great, you know, he's got some good length and a good wingspan. All the other basketball skills are just not even close to being put on the NBA floor. Right. To me, I, I don't think you should really take someone based off their athleticism unless they can do one of the main things on a basketball court well, right? Whether it's shooting, passing, dribbling, um, you know, rebounding basketball. And unfortunately, J- Josh Minot really doesn't do any of those things very well. He kind of just runs up and down the court and, and jumps high in the air. And that's that's really all he can do. He's not really seeing the game yet. Um I would I'd take a flyer on him in the 50s, sign him, sign him to a contract a- after the draft. But if you're if you're spending a first round pick on him, I just think you're kind of punting on this. To, to me, Ben, this is a guy that, that gets drafted in the first round. And a lot of people say, see, this is why you don't this is why you don't value first round picks, but that's why you shouldn't just make terrible picks. And and I kind of think that's what, you know, no disrespect to him, but that's what he would be if, if he was taken in the first round. I agree. All right, let's get on to the next guy we don't like, and that is Nikolo Jovic. We're definitely lower on him than the consensus public. Um, I, I think most people feel that he's going to go in the, in the, in the teen range, um, early 20s. I... I would not – if my team spent a lottery pick on Nikola Jovic, I'd be, I'd be pretty upset. And I'll I'll go ahead and make my case first for him and, and why I don't really believe in him. 
when I, when I look at him in terms of his dribbling ability, yeah, I think it's great. You know, he's what, 6'10", right? So it's, it's fairly impressive that he can dribble the way he does and he can create. But similar to the fashion of you compare him to someone like Usman Dieng, all right, well, he's not nearly as athletic as Usman Dieng. Does he have a better jump shot right now than Usman? Yes, probably. But when you really break down his jump shot, Ben, I don't, I don't buy it. It's, it's way too clunky for me. It's, it almost has three separate parts in the jump shot. Um, like he, he kind of does this weird load thing at his shoulder almost before going up. And I don't think the, the passing is going to translate as, as well as we think. To me, he's someone who has to have the ball a lot in his hands to really create, and he's just not going to get that opportunity. Lastly, let's just get get to the guy's not going to be able to defend anyone on the NBA floor. Like he is, he is the definition of the person who gets hunted in the postseason, and he's he's a bad defender enough that I think he might get hunted in um in NBA regular season. Hell, if he goes to the G League, they might hunt him. Yeah, I agree with that. He just doesn't have the. He he's not a not he's not an unathletic guy. He just doesn't have the side to side speed that's going to be required to play defense in the NBA, and uh, that goes along with his dribble moves too. I don't think he's going to blow any blow by anybody. Uh, I do think he uses his length well when he does go to the rim, but there's going to be way taller athletes in the NBA than uh, the league where he was playing. I, I don't see him finishing well at the rim. Uh, I, I think his hope is just he becomes a knockdown jump shooter. He's just an unconscious jump shooter, and he's just like a big, big Duncan Robinson or something, you know. And that plays in the NBA. I mean, uh, a six foot ten guy who's a knockdown shooter that's going to play in the NBA. He's going to stick around if he becomes that. But I'm not sure his athleticism, uh, his strength right now his defense is just so poor that he's really going to have to shoot the lights out of the ball. I think the stick. Let's move on to the third player. And Ben, why don't you kick this one off? Uh, okay. Our third player is going to be Patrick Baldwin uh, at the university of Milwaukee. A guy that was very, very highly rated. I want to say top 10 in his class coming out of high school, at least. Uh, went went to Milwaukee to play for his dad in the in the Horizon League. Had a lot of hopes for him. I think everyone had a lot of hopes for him. You know, we've seen this before. Really good guys that go to smaller conferences for one reason or another, and they usually do pretty well. Patrick Baldwin. Uh, first of all, he couldn't stay on the court. Uh, his health was a major detriment to his game. But at some point, I got the feeling that he didn't want to come back on the court. When he played, he didn't look like he enjoyed himself out on the floor. He didn't look like he enjoyed playing with his teammates. Um, I, I don't know. He, he just—he's not that great of an athlete. He is a big guy, six foot nine. He's got a six foot eleven, seven foot wingspan. He's a big guy. Um, I don't hate his jump shot. It's a little slow, but he—you know—it's it's pretty consistent. Now he did only shoot twenty-seven percent from three point. In the 11 games he did play, you know, his agility and quickness, uh, like Nikola Jovic we just talked about, is just not going to be there to play on-ball defense in the NBA. He's going to get blown by. And uh, I don't think he has the speed like Jovic as well to blow by people on offense. 
I see this very similar to Jovic. He's just going to have to be a knockdown shooter. I think he has more of a chance to be that than Jovic. I, I like his jump shot a little bit more. And uh, because of the high pedigree he comes out of high school, that gives me a little bit more hope. And because we only saw him play 11 games. But, uh, yeah, I did like – things I did like about him is he does have a high release on the jump shot, which is good for someone who is six foot nine, six foot 6'11". He's not going to get blocked a lot. Uh, his catch and shoot launch was really good. Him, He had a really nice rhythm from catching the ball and going up into the jump shot. He, he showed some willingness to go in the post a little bit. He has a little bit of post moves to him, but I, I just don't – much like Jovic, I don't see the athleticism and the quickness being there to, to help hold up on defense and drive by people on offense. He's going to have to shoot the lights out of the ball. I, I do have a little more hope for him than Jovic, but I, I don't see it. Yeah, I, I second all the things you said. For me, it really just boils down to you played in the Horizon League. You willingly went there, and you couldn't really dominate. Um, when, he kind of quit. Yeah, and, and everything was kind of set up for him to to succeed, and he didn't do that at all. My comp for Patrick Baldwin was a slow, poor man's Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's exactly what he is. But let's move on to the fourth player. It's going to be Marjan Bouchamp. Uh, I'm still not 100% on the pronunciation, but that's my that's my best uh, guess right there. Six foot six, 175 pounds. Kind of a little bit of a tweener, I would say. Uh, a tweener between a three and a four. Has more of a fours game on a, on a three's body. He does have good stature to him, uh, some good strength. I think he's got an NBA frame. Uh, he's starting to fill it out. I, I don't think it'll take long for him at all to build up the strength to match his frame. Uh, good player in transition, good rebounder, I would say. But outside of that, man, I, I don't see how he wins one-on-one battles on offense. His handle is is very, very poor. His passing is is really bad. He's got this really inconsistent balance on his shot. His stroke is pretty inconsistent as well. I just don't see great basketball IQ from him when I turn on the tape. Uh, really good athlete. He does have a great motor. You know, he's always running around out there. He, he does anticipate rebounds well. And uh, I think that's probably what's going to make him stick is if he's just a great rebounder at six foot six, you know, able to guard some bigger guys than him, which I think he will be able to do. But right now I just see him as zero on offense in the NBA. I mean, Outside of rebounds and putbacks, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that in terms of his his offensive game. It's it's not there. Um, out, out of the prospects that we don't like, I will say he's – not that this really matters, but he is my favorite of the ones I don't like. Um, and the reason is I, I already see that that he kind of knows his role is going to come in and, and to not really – be much of an offensive factor and to, and to just lock down defensively, be a, be a good defender. So that gives me a little bit of, of hope for him that he's already identifying his role and and knowing what he needs to get better on that. That shows a tremendous amount of self-awareness for a prospect to already have. Yeah. I think the motor gives me the most hope for him. He's, he's always out there giving a maximum effort and man, you pair that with some good rebounding and some good anticipation that makes a place for you off the bench on any NBA roster for sure. And I think you'll be able to switch a little bit on defense as well. Our last guy is going to be the bad Jalen Williams. 
<laughs> J-A-Y-L-I-N Williams out of Arkansas. Yeah, we're um, we're way lower on this guy than the rest of the um, country yeah, and the rest I, of the I've seen him a Twitter. little bit into the first, but mostly uh, start of the second. Um, I think he just annoyed me and Casey a little bit in college. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to hate on him, but at the same time, he figured out college basketball refereeing. Hey. No, he, he figured it out. He played on it. It worked way more than it worked against him. And he just set the most insane charges you've ever seen in your life. No random person off the street would call half the charges that he got credit for. But, you know, that's the one thing good about him. He's got a good IQ out there. He, he knows where to be. He's got good positioning. Obviously picked up on the refereeing. Uh, very, very smart player, I think. Uh, right. Somewhat switchable, I would say. He, he's pretty athletic for his size. I'm just worried about him because he is sort of a tweener. Uh, Big time tweener between that. Yeah, four and the he's five. just not going to be able to guard the fives. Uh, I, I don't hate his jump shot, but it's not, I don't think it's be good enough in the NBA. And I'm, I'm just not sure who he guards at this point. Yeah. I don't know who he guards and, I just, I just hope a lot of teams don't sell themselves on the idea that he's going to be able to guard fives because he did it in the SEC. He he wasn't doing it in the SEC. He was grabbing as you-know-what and falling over all over the place and flopping all around like a fish. He He's the most annoying player I've ever watched play, play basketball. Like, like, with all due respect, like, if, if you wanted me to tell you everything that I dislike about college basketball, I would point to Jalen Williams and I'd say to watch this kid play. Because that is everything that is wrong with college basketball, and that is why college basketball is viewed the way it is. You can say you can say what you want about the skill gap. That's fine. I, I don't I don't care about that over the shot making. But watching someone make a complete mockery of the game, just falling all over the place, uh, you're going to be my favorite five most disliked players in the draft. And I just hope he stops because. Um, to, to me, it, all, all it will take is maybe in his rookie year or sophomore year, someone's, someone's going to dunk all over him, and they're going to call it a block, and he's going to lose it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, much like Bouchamp, though, it does. Uh, his upside is that he has a huge motor and he's good uh, anticipation on rebound. Just both those guys are just too much of tweeners for me to, to pick in the first round and give him a guaranteed contract. Yeah, and and that's that's basically what it boils down to. I I like both of them in the second. I think that they'd, they'd be pretty decent contributing pieces in the second. But enough being negative, Ben. Let's be some positive and let's lead it off with, uh, with without a doubt, our, our biggest draft darling of the draft. Um, someone I I have not heard one single podcast draft analyst anyone mention. They probably have this guy in the 70s. If you're looking at their big boards, they might even have him in the 60s if they're smart. Um, but we have him in the 20s, and that is Jean Montero from Overtime Elite. And he's Dominican? Yes. So, yeah, he's he's the Dominican hope, honestly. Him and him and Cat are going to go win a bronze medal in the 2024 Olympics. Yeah. But man. let's get into it. You were the one that you were the one that told me about this prospect. You you really put him on, and and once I saw him, I, I saw the bag, I saw the moves, and I said, "Why the hell not? Why wouldn't you want to take this guy in the early second, maybe even late first? Uh, I would take a shot on him in the late first. I think at the very least, he's going to be a productive uh, point guard shooter off the bench. 
the main thing that sticks out with him is, you know, there's a bunch of great athletes in the overtime elite. He has a burst that goes by everybody so quickly. He can get by anyone off the dribble drive. He's got great balance. He uh, collects himself when he shoots the basketball. He's a very good shooter. Um, I, I think he's got basketball kind of figured out. He knows what his role is. I, I don't think he tries to do too much, really. And he, he kind of could in that overtime elite. You know, you could easily try to just be the guy and try to score as many points as you want to. But I haven't really seen that out of his tape. He looks very in control of his speed. Uh, he doesn't let it get away from him. You know, he's six foot two. I, I think that's why a lot of people pass him over. Uh, he's got a six foot five and a half wingspan. I just think those are the reason he's passed over is because he's a smaller player, but I like him a lot. I think he's, uh, I think he's got great potential to be your point guard off the bench who can come in, get hot on certain nights, give you 20 points off the bench, you know, just get hot shooting. Uh, a lot of what campaign did this year for the Suns, I could see at a John Montero for sure. Yeah. My, my comp for him is, is Patty Mills because that's exactly what I see him doing is, is being a guy who comes in off the bench, gives you 15 to 25 quality minutes a night. And, you know, he, he might have three or four or five regular season games where all of a sudden you look up, he's got 22 points, you know, six of eight from three and he's carrying your offense for a little bit. Um, that's, that that's, that's really my, my main comp for him and my main idea of what he looks like in a pro. But the reason I did like him so much was, something you alluded to about about his comfort and, and his speed but it's for me it's he he just gets to a spot so well and he plays with such a fluid fluidity and calmness about him and it, and it allows him to use that speed and to use that burst um to his fullest potential so yeah uh, i'm all in on on john montero i hope he gets his name called tomorrow honestly but uh <laughs> whoever uh, does whoever calls yeah. it they're gonna they're gonna be making the right decision I don't think he will, not from all the other uh, analysts and big boards I've seen. Uh, like you're right, I've, I've seen him in the 60s a lot. But I don't know. We're high on him. Uh, I believe in him. I think <laughs> I think he's one of those guys where he gets picked in the second round, they stash him in the G League, and through like two months in the G League, he's like on pace to be one of the best players in the G League. He's dropping 25 points a night, and they're like, crap, we got to pull this guy up. You know, we got to give this guy a chance. He's shooting the ball so well. Uh, he's a great ball handler. I just think it's the size, much like Kenny Chandler. If Kenny Chandler was six foot Absolutely. six, he'd be in Absolutely. the teams easily. Yeah, you must you must wonder if, if Sean Montero, if he would have went to college, kind of like the Kenny Chandler route, if he would – he would be considered for that for that spot in the, in the back end of the first or at least second. I actually um, have Joe Montero over Kennedy Chandler as well. Oh I, oh, I know you do. I know you do. You have, you have Joe Montero over everyone. <laughs> I, I believe in him. I think he's a great kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go to the next guy that we're probably much higher on than everyone else, and that is Ben. Why don't you kick it off? Gabriel Presida. The Italian man, uh, Casey mentioned him yesterday. We were talking about our mock draft. Just just tons of potential I, I see out of him. He's a long guy. He's athletic. Great vision on the basketball court. I like his stroke. Uh, I think it's going to translate. I think it'll just keep getting better and better. 
the passing and the playmaking is is what really gives me hope that he's going to be a special kind of player at his size and at his length and with the kind of burst and athleticism he has. I one of those guys I had never heard of before turned on the tape and I kind of fell in love immediately. He's one of those guys where his passes are almost too good. Uh, like the guys on his team just aren't even ready for it. I played with this one kid in AAU who's exactly like that. He could just see everything. And he threw the ball so hard at you in the right place, but you just could not react fast enough and you'd miss easy layups. He, he does that a lot. And there's even videos of him, his teammates getting mad at him for it. But, you know, they're just not on his level, I really think. I think in the NBA, those kind of passes will connect a lot more. And uh, I love Presida. I think he's worthy of a pick in the late teens. Yeah, I love Presida as well. I would I take him in the first round. I hope he goes first round because the the shots fluid. He does everything well. He spins the ball. He follows through. He stares at the rim. Um, you know, he falls down occasionally too much for me, but he's, works he's got in the it NBA. all. Yeah, it's exactly. It's going to work in the NBA. There's some shot prep things that I, I want to see improved on for him. But besides that, no, I, I love the shot. And then when it gets into the ball handling and the playmaking at that six, seven, six, eight range, I just I, I don't I don't know how you can't take this guy in, in the first round and at least take a chance at him. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll move on to the next guy. Another guy we mentioned in the mock draft yesterday is uh, Justin Lewis, the six foot seven uh, small forward. 245 pounds, all muscle out of Marquette. Just one of the strongest players for his uh, size in the draft, I think. Impactful defender. He always gets his chest in front of guys, uses his strength to power through guys at the rim. Um, I really like his shot. I think he really likes his shot. He always looks very confident shooting the basketball. He's got a good high release point. Uh, Goes up with two hands at the rim, which you always love to see. Seven foot two wingspan on this kid at uh, six foot seven. I think that's huge on defense and the strength and the willingness to finish through contact at the rim. I love too. Uh, I picked him yesterday for the 76ers in the mock draft. Uh, I think 76ers thinking along the same line because it looks like they're trying to go out and get a PJ Tucker, who uh, Justin Lewis actually reminds me a lot of PJ Tucker in, in a sense. A uh, very, very strong guy, switchable defender. is going to be able to handle guys taller than him because of his wingspan and his strength. Um, I love Justin Lewis. The downsides, he's he's not going to be an ISO scorer, I don't think, ever. Uh, he's not really going to be an all-ball playmaker, somebody you wanted the ball in his hands, leading a pick and roll or anything like that. Um, his passes and decisions need a little work, I would say. And uh, he, he's not really a you know, dribble ISO blow by you to the hole kind of guy. And neither is a guy like PJ Tucker. And that's kind of like why I like that uh, comparison for him. But I think Justin Lewis is a playoff guy. You see these guys in the playoffs all the time. They just play good defense. They make open shots and they're playing in the playoffs. You know, somebody like Dorian Finney-Smith reminds me of him well, you know, just plays good defense. He's a long, long guy, switches a lot and makes his open three-pointers. Those guys always play in the playoffs. They always find their way on the court. And uh, I think Justin Lewis can be one of those guys. Agreed with everything you said. For, for me, it just boils down to he's got one of the five, ten best NBA bodies uh, day one coming into this draft, first of all. And then secondly, we start looking at, okay, 
can you find a role? He already has that role in, in being a 3 and D guy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would love taking him late back in first round, early second round. All right, Casey, so the next guy we're going to go into is um, I think a guy that I kind of fell in love with as soon as I turned on the tape too. Someone I watched the whole season in college basketball but didn't particularly love, and that's the Irish point guard Blake Wesley, Casey. Yeah, he's he he's a freak with that wingspan of his and and just defensively what he can bring to the table. Uh you know, we we're talking about him as a guy that we like, um, but I don't know if we like him as much as some of the nat- national consensus because he's someone I would not be surprised on draft night if he's if his name gets called by a lottery team. Um, I, I really wouldn't. I, I kind of like the fit if he goes to Cleveland, and and here's why. I think Sex, the you know Colin Sexton, he may he may be on his way out. Um, I like Sexton, but it's it's clear that there's other plans for him, and there's other plans with that Cleveland backcourt with Darius Garland. So they need someone else to to kind of play defense and be a little bit off ball and on ball. And, and to me, that's going to be Blake Wesley. So I would love that fit at 14 with, with him there, and potentially even you know at 18 of Chicago and and staying in the Midwest. Yeah, um, my my comp for Blake Wesley was Byron Scott, who, who was another guy, you know, played on those great Laker teams, and another guy who played really well on ball and off ball. Blake Wesley's gonna be able to do that, man. Uh, we've already seen him be a primary point guard at Notre Dame and handle the ball for the majority of the offense. Uh, he's shown he can do that. I think he's really gonna excel off ball. I feel like he's a switchable defender with a six foot eleven wingspan. Uh, he can switch one to three, I think, pretty easily, maybe even four. He's got good, good lateral quickness. He's got good anticipation on steals. Um, you know, he's he shows he can get to the rim. Uh, I think he's even better at that once he builds on his uh, kind of thin frame. You know, he's got to build up his strength a little bit, I think, to make it through an NBA season. And he's going to have to shoot better. I like the stroke. His numbers weren't great. He only shot 30% from three this year. Uh, he did get a little crazy with the passing at times. Tried to make too many wild passes. Uh, the other thing I didn't like was uh, he would go up a lot without a plan, turn the ball over that way. But, you know, other than that, I just think he's going to be a guy that you can trust out there with the ball in his hand, a guy you can trust off ball. Uh, he's going to be great on defense. Uh, I'm not surprised he's going up the draft boards. I, I knew he was going to test out of the water. I mean, he has a huge, huge wingspan for his height. Very, very quick. I'm sure he's got a good 40 time and stuff like that. So I'm really not surprised at all. He's been surging. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's close it out tonight. Ben, who's the last guy out of our, out of our five. Dalen Terry, who was, who was the backup point guard most of the season for the Arizona Wildcats. Kind of the primary point guard in the NCAA tournament with Kirk Kreese's uh, inflamed ankle, but that's beside the point. Continue. Yeah, kind of in the same vein as Blake Wesley, you know, a taller, taller point guard who I think can also be very effective on ball and off ball. Uh, the thing I like most about him, he's just got a great motor, man. He's he's always moving out there. He's got good anticipation. He knows where his guys are going to be. He's a good passer. He loves to play in transition. Uh, he rebounds really, really well for a point guard. You know, he's got a huge frame on him. He got good verticality. Uh, I think the shot is going to have to 
you know, be worked on a little bit. He shoots a little bit from his chest. Uh, the rhythm is a little off and on at times, but he, he had great numbers. Uh, shot 50% from the field, 36% from three, 74% from the line. You know, was was the sixth man for most of the season, so that's not on a huge shots per game ratio. So, But it's still good to see those numbers be good. Uh, the one thing I wrote on his scouting report was, is he good enough to be a one? I'm not sure if he's good enough to be a one, but uh, I'm not sure that that matters a lot. Uh, there's there's a lot of good teams with good point guards. And uh, much like Blake Wesley, I think he'll thrive more as, as the second guy who can handle the ball, but also is going to be really, really good off ball and on defense. Yeah, Dalen, Dalen Terry, he's he shot up draft boards. He shot up our draft board. Um, the, the thing I love about him the most is – he does dirty work for being a guard, and that's really rare. And then you factor in that those sick bounce passes that he plays and the vision that that he has, you know, kind of like Presida. Sometimes the passes aren't there. Sometimes he sees a pass that, that his teammates don't see, but he's going to have a nice role in the NBA. And the, the, the sky's the limit when you're a six, seven-point card. Yeah, and, and Joe picked him last night for the Bucs. I think that'd be a dream scenario for him. Uh, I think to to frame his game after what Drew Holiday's been doing uh, throughout his career as a kind of ball handler, but also off ball. Uh, the guy I wrote at his comp was actually Markel Fultz, just because of what you said earlier. Not afraid to do the dirty work, not afraid to rebound, uh, not afraid to get on the inside of the defense and create some contact. I really like what Markel's been doing the last couple of years in Orlando after his whole drama filled. Uh, catastrophe in Philadelphia, but whatever. Yeah, Markel's grown to it, grown into his own in Orlando. I really like what he's doing, and I think Dale and Terry should be able to mirror that. Agreed. Well, we will see you all tomorrow night. Excited for the draft, Ben. Anything else you want to tell the listeners? Uh, no, I'm very, very excited. I think we all agree the draft starts at four with Sacramento, and you really couldn't choose a, a crazier team. To, to start what's the word i'm looking for here a more unreliable team a team that just does the opposite of what you always think they're going to do than sacramento uh sacramento's always got a trick to pull they've always got something unexpected on the way and i think that's a great team to start their draft with i'm very excited casey how many how many uh trade-ups do you think are gonna be in the lottery I'm going to say three. That's a good number. I think uh, I think the Pelicans are seriously looking at trading back. Um, I don't think San Antonio would be opposed to picking up even more draft picks. Uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I think Charlotte really wants to move up with their two picks. Atlanta really wants to move up. Uh I could see Portland moving back as well with their acquisition of Jeremy Grant. Uh, very, very exciting lottery. I think we're in store for. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. See you.